Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. All right, he's back. Connor Brigotas works as the managing editor of the Connecticut Inside Investigator, an investigative journalist. Perfect timing. Sir, how are you? Life is good. It's good to see you again. Good to see you too, Connor. Okay, um, we got to talk about Nikki Haley and Donald Trump, uh, the showdown that's taking place. And now she says, may the best woman win. Uh, Donald Trump gets a roaring round of applause because he told his crowd he's going to retire the name the sanctimonious. Um, how do you see this working out for Nikki Haley in the upcoming primary um, happening this week and beyond? Well, I live in New Hampshire. And yeah. uh, one of the great things about that is you do get an insight into what's going on, especially at this key time. And I'll tell you two key things that I'm seeing. First, I have not met a single Nikki Haley supporter who isn't being paid to support Nikki Haley. Wait a minute, hold on, brother, hold, brother, 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 come on, man. You're an investigative journalist, man. I'm a managing you're, editor, but managing I will editor, work right. with great journalists, yes. You're saying that you have not met one person that's supporting Haley that, that isn't paid to support Correct, him. I see a lot of people knocking doors with handouts right. and flyers and hats. But uh, you know, as I'm around, I'm working, I'm talking to people. I've never met anyone who's out there. Uh, and the other, the second point there is I've never seen a Nikki Haley yard sign on private property. They're everywhere on public roundabouts, they're on the side of the road, but the energy simply isn't there for Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. And uh, I think that quite frankly, with Ron DeSantis dropping out, nothing much has really changed. It was always going to be Trump. It's been Trump for a long time. And I think that folks are just now coming around to that, regardless of what Haley says. I think she's just uh, looking to do something else with her time. And uh, I'm guessing that next opportunity will be very profitable for her. Okay, so let's talk about a dynamic I saw with Ron DeSantis, I mean DeSantis, who dropped out of the race, endorsed Donald Trump, and then did something I haven't seen before. Counter endorse the only other person in the race. Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott did something very similar, but he did it in his, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a nice guy kind of way. So obviously there's some kind of agreement. If you endorse Trump, you must counter endorse Nikki Haley, and I think it's for two reasons. Number one, obviously, to go ahead and wrap up this Republican primary process so he can make an even bigger political point about his prosecution. And two, to stop the appetite, whatever it may be inside of the Republican Party that says Nikki Haley should be his vice presidential running mate. What say you to that strategy? I think it's good to have allies and, and especially I understand it from a candidate perspective. And these are career politicians. I think we always need to keep that in mind. These are folks who aren't just here for November's election. They're trying to be here for the next 20, 30, 40 years. And that means that they want to play their pieces very carefully during a tumultuous time so that they can always come out on top, right? It's the uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia line. I play both sides so I can always end up on top. As voters and as citizens, we need to be aware of that. And we need to be very careful about what that means for the long term, both of our communities, our families. I mean, this is human human uh, value that we're messing with here. And, and I think that we would be very well served to keep the bigger picture in mind, uh, be more aware that this is just 
political gamesmanship, nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, but it has real consequence, policy impacts people, right? As you are well aware, Um, when you're connected authentically to people, you realize that bad policy kills, good policy can make a person or a family thrive and live. I wonder at what point does it stop becoming, does it start being real and stop simply being rhetoric? For example, even though politically I don't support Chris Christie, but he had a different, he had a different spirit about himself than let's say DeSantis. But they were basically saying the same thing about Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, in reference to his electability at one time, definitely his temperament, um, how he gets in the way of conservative policies. But DeSantis, we always knew he was going to kiss the ring. With uh, the former governor, Chris Christie, I don't think that's going to happen this time. So the authenticity seems to be in the minority now inside of this party. I think people are okay with being lied to in the Republican Party in particular. What say you to that? That's a really interesting point. And I don't, I'm not sure that I agree that people like being lied to, but I do okay. think that there are uh, comfortable truths and there are uncomfortable truths. And drawing that line gets really difficult, right? So I think there's also a broader picture here to consider, which is, you know, Chris Christie is potentially in the running for a no labels endorsement. Uh, and there still may be a path. Chris Christie, though, really struck this interesting tone of kindness and humanity in a way that I don't think anyone else was able to do. Maybe Vivek. Perhaps, but even then, he went above and beyond in some cases that, you know, to really rub people the wrong way. Uh, I think that Christie is probably the last of a dying breed, uh, unfortunately. Um, I, I, I know that on this show, I've said before, I'm an optimist. I do that intentionally. I try to look for the brighter future. Um, but I think that the only way we're really going to get there at this point is to put our faith in something else and our trust in something else that's not a national politician trying to govern 330 million people with a one-size-fits-all solution. It's never going to work. Uh, and that means that the best solutions are going to come from our communities, our states at the largest, but more importantly, in the people who we see and are kind to every single day in our lives. I'm with you on that point. I share with you in that sentiment, but here's the challenge. That can all be possible, and it is possible in a democracy. Because democracy is about determinism. It is about individual determinism. You still, as a voter, you still are empowered. There is no finality in democracy. I tell my college students that all the time. So in democracy, if your guy or gal does not win a particular election, which means your policies did not win in that election, you get another opportunity to do it again. You get another opportunity. Donald Trump becomes president. We go into a de facto dictatorship. I can guarantee you that. You're now eroding at the quality of determinism in the electorate. This is my opinion, so I'm not saying this is what you believe. In that space, I want you to think about it beyond the man. If corporations are already paying off politicians, running commercials to convince us that they are right on a policy or a particular agenda, special interest that they represent. If we go into a dictatorship, they only have to pay one man, and that's Donald Trump. They no longer have to be concerned about our health. They 
are only concerned about their bottom line. Congress becomes completely ineffective in any check or balance that the founding fathers of this nation wanted codified within the normative rule of law. So how do we expect to ever come back from that disaster? And do you disagree with me that if Donald Trump gets power again, that he somehow does not become a dictator? I think there's a, there's a lot there to consider about what it means to be a dictator, right? What I will say is that there are some really serious considerations to be had about a presidency that has enough power to be in, a, in a, even anything close to that position in the first place. The presidency, quite frankly, should not have all that much power over our day-to-day lives. Now, I can say no to a company. I can say no to Amazon. I don't have to buy from them. I don't. I can say no to Apple. I can say no to any company. In fact, I do this on a regular basis uh, with something like the uh, ability to say no. Though government doesn't offer us that opportunity, and as long as that's the case, the powers need to be much more limited. If you're concerned about Donald Trump having that kind of power, if you're concerned about the presidency having that kind of power. It's the power that needs to be cut back. And that needs to happen regardless of who is president at when November comes to an end. Can we talk about that? Let's talk about that openly. Because I don't necessarily disagree with you. I don't understand the full slate of your context. But I've said it on this show and on my radio radio program. The Constitution is clear. A president does not have the ability to enact articles of war. But every president has in some way violated that very routine statement in the Constitution. Congress is the only authority that can enact articles of war. Um, We've gotten away from that, right? So when you talk about you can say no to a corporation, that's only in the framework of choice, dear brother. If a corporation exists as a monopoly, because that's what happens under the oligarch version of a dictatorship, you no longer have choice. Only the richest one company survives. Under that type of regime, your choice is eliminated as it relates to corporations. And when we say there needs to be a scaling back of the presidential powers, well, that means that likely you agreed that Trump should have been reined in while he was president of the United States. Because the only way you can check and balance a president is not by statutory law. It's not by constitutional restrictions. It's by the enforcement thereof, dear brother. Your infraction is only as powerful as your willingness to enforce it. And so the only way you can bring back a power from the president or a Supreme Court justice is through a process of holding them actually accountable to violations of rule, decorum, law, statute. Would you not agree that's the way to do it? Yes and no. I mean, this problem is so much deeper. So it needs to go back. I mean, the real problem started back in the 1930s and 1940s, right? When you look at decisions like Wickard v. Filburn, I mean, some of the horrendous things that were done, like Korematsu, you run into absolutely uh, egregious violations of power. Now, what we're seeing is actually post uh, inappropriate use of power, right? You think about Washington's farewell address and what he had to say about political parties. And basically that came to pass, but that was a long time ago, 
What we're seeing now is uncharted from what our founders could have imagined. And I do agree that there needs to be some kind of check and balance to pull people back in. However, I do disagree with what you said about the nature of uh, corporate power, because even when in the situation you're pointing out where you're talking about massive monopolies, the only time that a monopoly actually matters is if it has the force of law backing it up. Because otherwise, I'd just create a new company. In Amazon, for example, it's massive. Amazon falls apart all the time. I shop for something on Amazon and then I buy it locally and nothing bad happens. They have no power unless it comes from government. I think the root problem is the exact same as it is in the presidency, as it is looking at uh, how to fix things in private industry. Is it when you look at where you can't say no, that is the place where you need to push back on. And that's okay. not something that's gonna happen. Uh, as a result of having more people in power who want more power because it's self-serving. The incentive isn't there and we can expect for rational self-interest to play a role because it's human nature. Well, we say rational self-interest, but there are some companies that may not fit the political agenda of the leader under a different form of government in America. They may have a different board culture, okay? and because of that, they have openly opposed the leader. We have seen it happen in a smaller permeation in the state of Florida, where Disney decided to politically oppose Governor DeSantis. Governor DeSantis then utilized his power of government in order to penalize Disney for what they said. Now, the Supreme Court has ruled that corporations have a political voice. The individual who said it was an individual who has rights in the country. The Constitution says that you cannot, as the government, you cannot harm someone, punish someone because they have expressed a political philosophy opposite than yours. But DeSantis did it, dear brother. He did it. Now he was eventually and he was wrong. He was wrong, but was he was he charged with anything? Well, isn't that the same thing? The Supreme Court was also wrong. Well, well, I'll get to the Supreme Court in a minute. I'll get to the Supreme Court. I'm not trying to run away from anything here, dear brother. I'm not a track star. But I do want you to, to understand this point and answer it clearly. DeSantis violated constitutional mandate. My law professor would say, if it's in the Constitution, that means it's either extra legal to do, meaning a right. And if it's prohibited, that mean, means it's extra illegal to do. That was the simpler way, simple way he would codify that. So DeSantis clearly violates constitution. I mean, there's no, there's no ambiguity whatsoever. There is no holding him truly accountable to the laws that he decided to violate. It, I agree with you on that front. I think we need to look to something greater than the law when we look for justice, though. Explain that to me. So I'm a, I'm a fan of something called the uh, moral principle of human respect, which is this okay. acknowledgement, uh, similar, uh, it's a principle like gravity that is always true. And that is that when we initiate violence against others, when we diminish their wealth through theft or fraud, it decreases happiness, right? It decreases prosperity, it decreases wellness. And when we look to that, I mean, that's something that we could try to put into a law, but human ingenuity to do the wrong thing is always going to outpace law. 
to communication. Well, it's problems, the culture. It's the culture of a thing. But law, you can go to any social scientist, they will tell you law has a way of transforming culture. And culture also has a way of transforming law. These systems are not separate in the sense that they cannot impact the other. So I understand your point. And to a degree, dear brother, I agree. Because I think the reason we have all of these expressions of violence, expressions of dissension, is because of the dissension that's inside of our eternal soul. And these things are simply working out in this expression called the material world. If we could find the divine spark in us, we would naturally respect the divine spark in other people. But we're beyond that in many ways. Don't you agree? That we're beyond the opportunity to No, not the opportunity, the but the right now. Now, now I say this in, in, in the sense of you only have now, all right? So the future hasn't happened yet. The past is gone. You can't do anything about it. You truly only have now. So in the, in the sense of now, where we are now, dear brother, you're talking about a very, very elevated, spiritual, in many ways, enlightened way of thinking. That is a beautiful thing. I agree with that. Our customs, traditions, laws, and values are not aligning to that. The people who are nice in the Republican Party get no play. These guys and gals seem to be the most unpopular. And let's be honest, Democrats aren't doing that great either in policy delivery or in their ability to really advocate for the best interests of those who vote for them. So there's this break that's happening. I get what you're saying, but you got to have a policy agenda somewhere in order to influence the culture. Dr. King marched and brought public eyes, as well as cameras, to these extreme actions that were taking place in America, particularly in the South, because he believed that people or culture could then have an influence on policy or law. I don't disagree with that sentiment today. I think when you look at the pieces what you're talking about and using law to influence culture oftentimes involves doing the exact thing that I was talking about before with the moral principle of human respect. Each and every single person has a different version of happiness, what's going to bring them joy, meaning, satisfaction, and fulfillment in their life. And when you create a law that is a one-size-fits-all solution that says, listen, doc, I know that you're a great person, but sorry, your rights mean less than someone else who wants to pursue their happiness in a different way. It's quite frankly just not the proper role of government and not the proper place of law to get involved in such things. The proper role of government is to protect individual rights. And that's it. Under, under the rule that you're talking about, under that doctrine, there are two dynamics. One, the, the respect of the autonomy of an individual, right? The second rule of that doctrine is those who lack the autonomy required, because we have some of that in the society, they must be protected, correct? Am I right so far? Who are you talking about specifically? No, I'm talking about anyone who may, let's say if a person is disabled, okay? Uh, let's say if an individual uh, may have a, a mental health deficit. Um, there's a requirement of the moral code of that doctrine. For us to understand that and to um, remedy that through an equitable process. Am I right or wrong? 
I think that's a vast oversimplification because yeah. if it comes at the if it comes at the expense of other people's rights, then I do think it, that it, it can't come at the expense of somebody's rights when we're talking Are you about taking from someone to give to someone else. Well, you say taking from. Is there not a societal reality that if there's one among us who is hurting in our community? who by no fault of their own, they've been a victim of a crime, or maybe they were born with a particular disability and they're not able to get around, they're not able to um, go to the store in order, order to get food. We would be savages, dear brother. We would be animals to simply leave them without any assistance, would we not? I don't think anybody's suggesting that. Well, that's I why I brought really it to your doorstep. the mechanism to get there, correct? What's the mechanism in your opinion? Voluntary exchange. Human beings are good, Doc. When we look around, I believe I believe the spirit. I believe the spirit is good. I believe the spirit of humanity is good. I believe the atmosphere has corrupted us. But that's a different conversation. My producer is giving me the wrap up time. Con, I want to bring you back. Let's talk about this more. But I appreciate the fact that you know what you're talking about and you believe in what you're talking about. And I believe in what I'm talking about. That's always a good thing. You didn't gaslight me. I didn't gaslight you. Thank you, bro. Hey, that's that's how we're going to make things happen. You are fantastic, and I'll look forward to speaking with you again, Doc. Same here, dear brother. Thank you, sir.